Little honey bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to Tennessee farm table, cast on skillets, good and hot, watch it steam and crack and pop, cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop in black gang candy stripes. Look at them loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that Mountain South Appalachian flair. And on occasion, I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the Southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. So your mama would make biscuits with honey. <laughs> yeah. uh, was yeah. there anything better? Nope. Hard to get hard to hard to get better than that. Today, we are setting the table with awareness and appreciation for the honeybee. My guest is legendary University of Tennessee football coach Philip Fulmer. In addition to his great success in football, coaching, and countless contributions that he has made to Tennessee and the University of Tennessee, he is also a beekeeper who greatly values these pollinators and the vital role that they play to our existence. We visit today with Coach Fulmer and discuss awareness of bees and beekeeping. Thank you so much for tuning in today by podcast or radio broadcast. I really and truly appreciate your good company. So let's join Coach Philip Fulmer and talk about honeybees right now. Good morning. Good How morning. are you? I'm well. How are you? Come in. Come in. I'm Philip. Amy. Nice Good to meet, to meet you. you. You're so nice to let me come by. Well, uh, that's the best time to do it. Phil Former, you are sparing some time for me to talk about honeybees. Thank you so much. I am glad to be here, and I hope the little bit I know about them we can share with the with people and make them more interested in what the honeybee does for us. I think it will help. Yeah. I, I really do because I know this is something you do for fun and it's kind of hard to share things that are fun because <laughs> that's your private world. So I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to. Um, kind of how we got started was with one of my great friends and former teammate, Larry Johnston, who's a Merrillian as well, said, uh, hey, you know, I'm having a good time with these these honeybees and you know now that you're retired this was after I left UT as a coach now that you're retired you know you should do it with me and I've always been fascinated and my my grandparents were were you know kept big gardens and 
all those kinds of things. So I understood pollination and everything and what the bees did and generally, I think. And uh, he said, you know, it doesn't take much time either. And well, that's not really exactly right, but it <laughs> doesn't take a ton of time. So I just decided to try it and I've just really enjoyed it. And I think we're, you know, also doing some good things uh, for our family because um, I wanted my children, well, and particularly my grandchildren, to appreciate nature, you know. And we have a, you know, big enough place here that we have a, have a room for the bees. And we started off with a 60 by 60 garden, and they're all there right there together, and they, they uh, hope they help me in the garden. They help me in the bees, Do which that. is which is really precious. Yeah, I mean it's really fun and. We we're very fortunate to have our grandchildren, some of most of our grandchildren, pretty close. So I'd say we enjoy it. I'm so glad that you've got your grandkids in it because they will learn from you and they'll carry it on. That's what all this is about, isn't it? Well, it really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the time spent as a coach was wonderful time, and and uh, we built, I mean, hundreds of great relationships with families across the country as kids came to campus and. We did it very much as a family, Vicky and I, and and the kids grew up in it, you know, recruiting and ball games, and you know, it was really special for them to be able to be on the sideline. That was one of the things that Vicky kind of insisted on, and I I, I I fought against it a little bit because I didn't know what that hear dad say down on the sideline sometime, but but it turned out to be one of the greatest experiences uh, that we did as a family because they understood the commitment and the passion and the love and the, the you know the tough times with you when you don't win and mm-hmm. all those you shared them you know because mm-hmm. they would walk to the middle of the field with me and see the see the coach but the point being it, it, it anything that you can do to to impact the family and bring them closer together you know it's important to do and it is uh, this this gives us time together that's not playing with a computer or not uh, um doing something else, you know, this gives us time to be t- together and look forward to something. So it's been fun, and that, that part's really worked out. I'm not the greatest gardener of all time. I, I, I didn't have a single tomato plant last year that made it. Well, join the club. <laughs> last year was a hard tomato year. Hard year, mm-hmm. hard year, but, I, but we do get lots of vegetables and, and stuff, and we give a lot of it away and, and enjoy that. And, and and doing the honey process, you know, in July or, or sometimes even even early August, you know, has really, really been fun. Mm-hmm. Kids look forward to it, and, you know, they put their little bee suits on, go out there, not not afraid, except for one that got one in his bonnet one time. I can't get him back up there, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. He's smart, you yeah, know. Yeah. You know, once um, I, I lived in a place off Topside Road in Gray Hawn, I think he's the state apiarist, mm-hmm. he, he had me swarm a hive of bees. I'd never done it. Pair of shorts, short sleeve shirts. The mm. whole hive had followed the queen into a tree. And he said, okay, Amy, take this box and I'm gonna hold this branch and I'm gonna barely shake it and they'll all drop in this box. And so I said, okay. And I couldn't hear anything. All you can hear is the swarming around yeah. you. Not one sting. He said, yeah. as long as you move slow, they won't hurt you. So that was an amazing experience. And I have had such respect for honeybees and what they do. 
since. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, uh, you you get to know the hives. They have a personality. Each hive does. Uh-huh. Probably, you know, some way related to the queen's personality or mm-hmm. age mm-hmm. of the queen. And 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 you're they're right. If you don't just bang on them some way or another, which sometimes yes. you accidentally do something, you know, they they're they're pretty uh, they're pretty docile until you get to a place where. Uh, you know they're they're storing for the you know for the winter and they're protect and there's not a lot of pollen and mm-hmm. blooming left you know for them to gather and they mm-hmm. they start being a little bit defensive at that point uh I don't go out there in shorts and and a t-shirt I can promise you <laughs> some people can in fact is found out fairly early on long enough after I'd gotten hooked on just how how much I enjoyed doing it I found out I was allergic, you know, because I got stung and I swelled up and I had all this, you know, kind of, I didn't have to take, you know, shots or anything, but I had to drink a bunch of Benadryl and stuff like that. But I I have since had the shots and everything to make Mm -hmm. sure that if I did get stung again, it shouldn't bother me. Good. So people say, well, are you nuts, you know, but. You know, you know, I, I take great precaution to make sure I don't get stung, and I carry an EpiPen now. But, but you just have to be careful, and like you said, they're not they're not out there to bother you, you know, unless mm-hmm. you just bother them. That's right. Yeah. And I, of course, was an ignorant twenty-year-old at the time. Well, no, I just a, just dove right on it. That's something that not a lot of people have had a chance to do. So you're, yeah. I'm looking forward to getting my first rogue swarm, you know, somewhere. Yes. I've helped Larry Johnston get a couple back, okay. you know, and he actually gave me one of the swarms, which is good. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. I only have two hives now. I had up to six, and you know, you have all these different dynamics of the, you know, they leave some of them, mm-hmm. and the age of the being, but we had a, we had a couple years of uh like the tomato plants that you know didn't go as well we had pests yes. you know that that, that uh, disrupted them or, or whatever so, mm-hmm. but i plan to have back to four Good. this uh this spring you are listening to the tennessee farm table and today we are visiting with legendary university of tennessee former football coach former University of Tennessee football player and former University of Tennessee athletic director, Philip Fulmer, about his beekeeping. I want to say thank you so much for tuning in today by podcast or by radio broadcast. I hope you're having a great day, and I really appreciate your company. I've placed a few links at my website for resources if you want to get started on keeping bees or want to know where to find regional honey and local honey and how you yourself can advocate for the honeybee on my website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. Let's return to our conversation with that legendary University of Tennessee football coach and beekeeper, Philip Fulmer of Maryville, Tennessee. How did you get started? Yeah, well, as I said, Larry Johnston encouraged me to do it, and I looked forward to that after he got me into it. And uh, he, he mentioned a, a guy's name, Mike Smith, here in town, uh, who is, is really my mentor mm-hmm. and was nice enough to come over here a lot and kind of teach me and everything. And, mm-hmm. then, you know, I, I certainly visited him some. He's a neighbor not far from here, and um, he, he's 
he's just been one of those guys that you counted on. And you know, I would I would call others in town, Crowley's and 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 others that uh, can you know guide us along when you when you need you know you need some opinions you know about what, yes. yeah, what I do about this because Vicky bought me a, for my birthday a huge book on bees and oh. I, I enjoy reading about it mm-hmm. you know it's just uh, mm-hmm. one of those things that um, they weren't here uh, would have a very difficult time as a humanity of, of, of surviving because they, they do so many good things for us so it's really important that we pay attention you know, as to our environment and to what's causing the different issues, you know, that the bees are having, pollination and all. It is. It truly is. No bees, no food. That's it. That's it, (laughs) you know. And uh, took a trip uh, with three of us, three of my teammates, or three teammates, two two other guys. We took a trip on a motorcycle, flew into Salt Lake City and then rented motorcycles and went straight north all the way up to the Canadian line. But it's amazing how many beehives are in those fields, you know, out west, hundreds of them, you know, really? and maybe maybe thousands of them as you go through. And mm-hmm. you think, of, you know, that's, of course, that's one edge of the food belt, mm-hmm. you know, of our nation. And so you think about, you know, all the corn and the wheat and the different crops that are grown out in the Midwest, you know, it's, it's a huge part of what they do. And obviously it's important all over the country here in the south is just as much so yeah that's right so for a beginner starting out how someone just gets started you know yeah read about it for sure and some and and measure you know measure it it's not a huge investment at all it's uh-huh. not it's not expensive to do mm-hmm. it's a little bit of time consuming and and then you've got to keep up you know you mm-hmm. you, you know each time of the year there's things but how you get started is find a good mentor and read about it and 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 just just you know stay with it. You, you've got to commit you know, some time to it. The guys that do it somewhat commercially, I mean that's that's a full time job. So yes. they're doing it every day. Mm-hmm. You know, as as a, just a hobby, which is really what mine is. You know, it's just pay attention weekly. You know, once a week. You know, mm-hmm. or so that of what's 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 up with them. You know, mm-hmm. what stage are they in? I've got a big poster in the in the barn. You know, <laughs> what each time of year is supposed to kind of when you're supposed to do what. You know, really. Oh, that's and I keep a good it on thing. My, yeah, keep it on my calendar. So yeah. Well, we were curious about what time of year do they start emerging. Well, we know that because our neighbor's got a hive. Mm-hmm. Well, he's got. Mm-hmm. and they sure get busy on any pretty day they're looking right. for that water every day mm-hmm. yeah every day it's above 55 50 or 60 you know they're going to be mm-hmm. out in the winter and this is the, I, I would say the winter time mm-hmm. you know they they uh even if it's a beautiful day in december they'll come you know they'll go forging and yes. water and mm-hmm. you know prepare themselves and I can't wait till the next nice day we have that I can just, you can't open them long this time of year because, you know, they, they, they need to keep their warmth and they've got the bee, the queen all surrounded and everything and protected. But I, I look forward to popping the top and see how they've done with their their food and everything. Yep. That's something that, um, that I've wondered about is um, through the year, you know, the health of the bees. And so you raise your bees right here on your land and you say you've got, two hives right now two hives now uh-huh. i've had as many as four okay 
what do they do all winter? You just mentioned a little bit, but I've always wondered, do they, are they able to stay warm in these really, really cold nights or? How uh, yeah, they, they do, or they, you know, they wouldn't survive. The, the mm -hmm. worker bees and, and, and I saw some drones and everybody that's there, not many drones, probably they don't make it because they get <laughs> kicked out, but, but they surround the queen and they, and they buzz their wings they clap their wings create a warmth mm -hmm. you know an environment in, in uh, and again this is somebody it's probably something to ask the professionals I'm, yes. I'm very much a rookie at this but you know they they surround the queen and and keep her warm mm -hmm. and um, as we said that when it's a nice enough day they'll go back out and forge and and you know find the water and that, that kind of thing bring it back to the hive bring back a little bacon Bring back the bacon. For the, yeah. for the family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I bet those bees are going to be happy to find those they'll, things. They'll be out and they'll find them. Yeah, they'll, <laughs> they'll go find them and then they go back and tell everybody where everything is, is you know, however they communicate. It's amazing yeah. how they communicate. I mean, it is just amazing. I mean, bees are just, you were talking about how they keep the queen warm. If we went in there and tried to put all kinds of foam rubber and stuff around them, they would just probably, if they could, look at us and say, what are you doing? <laughs> they've got it figured out already. Yeah, Mother Nature is pretty powerful, and they've been doing it a long time. They, they've actually That's found right. honey, you know, in the Egyptian pyramids and things, as, they, as they've gone through, that was still edible. That's uh, so amazing. It is amazing. It's, a, it's an amazing... It's amazing dynamic, mm -hmm. you know, that and the interaction with, with the bees in the wild, you know, all of a sudden... They'll, they'll swarm and they'll show up and give you an opportunity to, to use the bees for, you know, our, our consumption with, with the honey and stuff. So yes. I don't sell the honey. You know, I, I usually have enough for the family and give it away to friends and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But a lot of people may have made a really good business out of it. So, they and that's, that's, that's good. You mm -hmm. know, that, that mm -hmm. helps us all. Um, one sweet long-term friend that I met back in farmers market days was Coley Odell and his wife Judy and over on Odell Road they have their self-serve honey stand yeah mm -hmm. and um, he has helped a lot of youngsters um, and not necessarily youngsters but yeah. a lot of people you know start in to keeping their bees and how to take care yeah, of them. Yeah no he's helped me. Has I, he? Yeah, oh, good. I bought stuff from him yeah. He's such a good man and he's always willing to help anybody. And I know in your line of work, I bet you have met more people. You could just write a book on the different people <laughs> and their different ways. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know you could. Yeah, I, I do. I have a lot of friends in different levels of, of whatever their interests are, you know, mm -hmm. from, mm -hmm. from corporate things to... You know, to, which I respect, and but I, mm -hmm. you know, I love gardening and mm -hmm. the, the good, the good old boys too. You know, yeah, <laughs> so right. it's just really fun. Larry's one of those guys. It's very, very astute. Mm -hmm. You know, guys had some big businesses, been in, been in, you know, commodities in Chicago and all those kinds of things that people may or may not know. But all the way down to. You know, he had me come over here one day, and, and I didn't know where he, sta he was taking me. I was actually off. I was coaching, but we were kind of in the off-season then. I mean, we go put out mulch at one of his rental properties, you know. And he, <laughs> okay. Well, you look like you'd be good help. You I'm, do. I'm good help. My apparently was very cheap help, too. So. 
You know, my grandmother kept bees. She was my Mississippi grandmother, and she used to say, I'm going to go rob them. Is that the term when you go take their honey? Is that what Yeah, a lot of people, do? yeah, extract it, but a lot of mm-hmm. people say, say rob, yeah, mm-hmm. rob the, the honey. And, and uh, that's, you know, you got to prepare for that because, you know, you need a place to take them to kind of get them off the, the super, you know, mm-hmm. and then uh, a place to take them that, they won't get back on the super because they'll find it, you know. Yeah. So we have a good setup, pretty good setup here. Mm-hmm. And uh, then kind of have to work with the ones that you didn't get off once they get inside the, <laughs> the garage or house or whatever. And then, yes. you know, then you extract. So it's, 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 a, it's a fun thing. So we're back here talking with Phil Fulmer about something he's passionate about, of caring for honeybees. Thank you so much. Well, my pleasure. Thank you for being here. And I know this is more your fun thing, but you're willing to talk about it because it might encourage others to do the same. And that's really important. So thanks for... Yeah, I mean, everybody that's listening, you know, knows that bees are endangered now with mm-hmm. all that's going on in our world mm-hmm. from a pollution standpoint and chemicals and and whatever other diseases that are out there that are affecting them they're studying it hard but you know sometimes in a year you know we can lose 30 to 40 percent of our bees you know in in a a year that you know that's not sustainable if we don't Mm -hmm. take care of and pay attention Mm -hmm. more of our environment and particularly the environment that we put them in spraying of your garden basically to maybe keep pests away that you want to keep away but they could endanger Mm-hmm. you know the bees so we got to pay attention it's true my garden sits right next to my neighbor's hives and i do not have the heart to spray roundup or anything like that because i don't want to i know a bee is going to land on that leaf and i just don't want to do that yeah and, thank and, you for that yes <laughs> more people need to think of that you know it's pretty good exercise to yank those weeds out with our hands <laughs> <laughs> we all could use a little bit of that i think but i'm talking about hobby farming not like massive farming but no bees no food that's it <laughs> in east tennessee or in the state is there a main month where people are processing their honey or does it go all through the season or how many times do you process that honey? well i mean there's there's variables to that obviously with the weather you know and how it was mm-hmm. how how it was in the spring you know, how, how soon did they were they able to get out and start foraging and creating their honeycombs and everything and mm-hmm. then in the summers you know how dry it is how long do things stay in bloom and everything and if mm-hmm. you ask 10 people 10 beekeepers you know you're going to get probably 10 different answers because I, I found out that and so you gotta find somebody like to trust and listen and pay attention and then pay attention to the and this is where you probably should be talking more to a professional uh-huh. than than me but mm-hmm. what i've learned is you know the weight of the of the hives and those kinds of things are, yeah. are when you kind of know you know per super that you have on i've put too many sometimes and i've not put enough sometimes so i'm learning still how far you would stack them up and when is the right time so but to specifically answer your question sometime around first of july you know mid-july uh as well and i've done it later than that not because i was just waiting but i was on vacation and didn't get back you know and and uh, Mm -hmm. that can create some issues as well with swarming and well it's kind of like life people want hard answers but when we're dealing with 
the natural world, we got to go with the Yeah, flow. go with the flow. That's right. <laughs> no, no, pun, no pun intended. <laughs> the flow of the honey. Yeah. About how many times a year do you uh, take the honey off? Is it just once a year? Or? Some people take it more than once. You know, some people will have a summer batch. You know, that's flowers or clover or yes. you know, you know, blooming other things, and mm-hmm. then they'll move them to another place, oh. perhaps to get you know the the other kinds of honey. I've even know of friends. I don't I haven't seen it myself, but. They'll pack them up and take them to Florida to the orchard, you know, and mm-hmm. they'll they'll do the orange groves or they'll do you know other other things around the country. Go to, you know go to the Midwest or go mm-hmm. take a truckload of hives to California, you know, to allow them. So they'll they'll produce as long as they can, you know. Mm-hmm. And but usually it's they're usually they're done around you know as I said mid July and starting to get ready for the winter. And if you're only taking one, but if you're taking two and they can find other blooms you know there's certainly there's certainly a chance to have two two batches during this and maybe more as far as i know i mean mm-hmm. but i think two would be at some of my friends in the mountains you know get the sour wood mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. they're they're at the elevation they can that early on they get the, the the honey from from whatever's bloomed and then they then they'll get the sour wood because it blooms later in the mountain that is a well sought after item it sour is wood honey. it is it absolutely is We've heard a lot about colony collapse syndrome. Have you had trouble with that with your bees? I've had pests. I've had you know the the, the different uh, mm. pests that can you know the hive beetle and mm-hmm. and uh, that's and the wax moth. Oh. Uh, both both of those I've had infestations. Mm. And gosh, and it just you know it just happens over almost overnight if you're not if you're really not keeping up. That's what I said. You know I going on vacation and everything was fine I come back and oh. you know I got a mess you know? oh that's so, awful so yeah so you have to pay attention to it and there's I've learned to have somebody check on them and nice. do, but you know you can't tell them well go ahead and take the honey for me because that's a real job <laughs> you know? that is true yeah. it's yeah you don't want to impose on folks yeah. what's your favorite way of enjoying your honey well, I'd like to have it like my mother used to do, you know, with biscuits, you know, or whatever, <laughs> you know, homemade biscuits. Yes. Uh, this household is not a lot of homemade biscuits made, but, and that's probably a good thing. But, you know, I'll do it with toast or, or cereal or, mm-hmm. you know, that's probably the most we do here. You know, my children all certainly enjoy it and look forward to it and help, help get it out. So that's, that's uh, get it extracted. I think they use it pretty much like everybody else, you know, mm-hmm. in the mornings for breakfast. Or daughters will will uh, cook with it, you know, to to uh, substitute for sugar or whatever. So. I do that too. I think it makes it taste better. I do too. Yeah, certainly makes a great glaze. I, I guess is the word. So your mama would make biscuits with honey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was yeah. there anything better? Nope. Hard to get. Hard to hard to get better than that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good food memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lost art. Phil Fulmer talking about honeybees. Thank you so much for encouraging well, th- others. Well, thank you for bringing it to light. You know that people, you know, should be paying attention to our, to nature in general, and to our gardens, and particularly to our honeybees that we we need for our own existence. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. You bet.
You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And today, we have been visiting with legendary University of Tennessee football coach Philip Fulmer about his beekeeping. He agreed to meet with me and record this interview in the hopes that it will raise awareness and interest of the importance of these pollinators to our ecosystem. He does not sell his honey, but rather gifts it on occasion to friends. For more information on him and public speaking engagements, philipfulmer.com. And I've placed links of resources to get started in beekeeping, honeybees, where to find honey locally, and a couple of pictures of Coach Fulmer, along with the podcast of this show, at tennesseefarmtable.com. And a note, Coach Fulmer does not advertise on this show. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.